Amen. Thank you, brother. Get that projector fixed. Who's who knows how to do that? All right. Thank you so much. I get a lot of requests, so I'm not going to sing. Good. See, that ought to be working. There we go. Okay. I like that piano playing, too. I used to play one of those in a marching band. It just hurt my back too bad. I had to give it up. Well, hang on. Let me find out what happened here. According to evolution, there we go. Things get better automatically. There. Sorry about that. Okay. Well, welcome to uh, Colorado. Um, I travel a lot. This evangelist and his wife were talking to the preacher one day, and the preacher said, Hey, brother, where were you last week? He said, I was in... uh, He said, What's the name of that flower with the thorns? The preacher said, That's a rose. He said, That's right. Hey, Rose, where were we last week? (laughs) Start to lose track after a while. We need a couple more people in the choir to join this poor, lonely family up here. Anybody else want to come sit in the choir? Come on. You you can see okay? You were good? Okay, good. Glad to have you. All right. Well, my name is Ken Hope, and I taught high school science 15 years, and now I travel around and do seminars on creation, evolution, and dinosaurs. And I take the position that the Bible is literally true and scientifically accurate. God made the world in six days, just like he said he did. And the evolution theory being taught in our schools is the dumbest and most dangerous religion in the history of planet Earth. Okay, no dumber idea, no more dangerous idea. We cover all that in our seminar series. Anyway, this is not my wife. That's just a picture of her. And we live in Pensacola, Florida. What's, What's left of it? And I have three kids, one of each. Got them all married off and the dog died, so I made it. I'm home free. And they all live right around me. And so far, four grandkids. And that's God's reward for not killing your own kids when you thought about it. So hang in there, parents. It'll be worth it all. Interesting tribe there. And we have Dinosaur Adventureland. We like dinosaurs around our place. We have dinosaurs on my tie. Our phone number is 479-DINO. Our website is Dr. Dino. We like dinosaurs. But I, for one, am sick and tired of the evolutionists using dinosaurs, God's own creatures, to draw people away from God. I've had it. I'm going to do something about it. Okay? <laughs> or die trying. So, we're not against science. We're not against dinosaurs. We happen to like that. There's two of my grandkids playing with one of the dinosaurs there. Um, this guy in National Pornographic... A geographic says, uh, no human being has ever seen a live dinosaur. Now, just hold on a minute. Does he know that or does he think that? He thinks that. There's no possible way he could know something like that unless he talked to everybody that ever lived, right? Did he talk to you before he wrote that? Did he talk to Adam and Eve or Noah? Probably not, right? See, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it says in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in the midst. Wow, what do you suppose he meant by that? That's, that's part of the Ten Commandments. He wrote that on a rock with his finger. You know, you don't stutter. It looks to me like he's telling us he did it all in six days, right? Which means Adam must have seen dinosaurs. If he did it all in six days, I mean, it's a no-brainer, figure it out. So, on video two, which we're not going to have time to cover today, but it's two hours long, about what the Garden of Eden was like. The Bible says from the creation up until the flood, things were very different. It says in Genesis 1, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. 
And we cover all that on video too. The firmament was a layer of water above the atmosphere. There was, used to be water above the atmosphere. That all fell down at the time of the flood. And there was water under the crust of the earth. The Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's. He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Psalm 136, he stretched out the earth above the waters. Most of the water that's now on the surface in the oceans used to be in the crust of the earth. Today the earth is 70% underwater right now. The Bible says God formed it to be inhabited. It was not 70% underwater when he made it. It was mostly land. No oceans, big seas maybe, but no oceans. And that's the water underneath that came shooting to the surface when the fountains of the deep broke open. So, from the creation 6,000 years ago up until the flood, things were very different. During that time frame, people lived over 900 years. Did you know you could learn a lot in 900 years? A lot of people have never even thought of this, but did you realize that Adam spoke every language in the world? Because there was only one. Uh, He's married to the prettiest girl in the world, too, by the way. But uh, things Things were just real different back then before the flood came. We cover all that on video too. And we also cover how reptiles never stop growing. Reptiles grow all their life. People stop growing. When you're 16 or 18, you're going to quit growing. At least vertically. Some go horizontally thereafter. But reptiles never stop growing. So what would happen to reptiles if you could put them back in the Garden of Eden conditions and let them live to be 900 years old? You'd have a big lizard. A really big lizard. Dinosaurs were big lizards that lived with Adam and Eve. We cover all that on video too. So the next question would be, did Noah take dinosaurs on the ark? They asked Billy Graham, were there dinosaurs on Noah's ark? He said, nope. Noah's ark did not include dinosaurs because they were extinct by the time man got here. Oh, now look, I love Billy Graham. But he's wrong about that one. Just plain wrong. I do hope Noah kept the woodpeckers in a steel cage of some kind. People say, dinosaurs on the ark, uh, they're kind of big, aren't they? Well, the big ones were big, but the little ones were little. Okay? And Noah was 600 years old when he went on that boat. You know, I bet he was smart enough to figure out you don't have to bring the biggest ones. Bring two babies. Hmm? Just be sure to get a pink one and a blue one. That'll be important later. Okay? There's all kinds of reasons for bringing babies on the ark. You bring babies because they're smaller. Well, duh. The biggest dinosaur egg ever found is smaller than a football. You bring babies because they weigh less, they eat less, they sleep a lot more, they're tougher. You know, kids fall down and bounce and get up and keep running. Adults fall down and break or lay there for a while. Yeah. And after the flood, they're going to live longer to produce more offspring, and that's why you're bringing them. Why on earth would you bring big elephants on the ark? I mean, that's dumb for multiple reasons, okay? Why would you bring big giraffes, bring babies? And you only had to bring two of every sort. Not two of every species. God said two of every sort. He said bring them after his kind, after their kind, after his kind. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. Just the basic kinds of animals. And only those in whose not awareness the breath of life. Actually, only those in whose nostrils was the breath of life. And only those on dry land. Noah did not have to bring any fish on the ark. They had plenty of water outside, okay? He also didn't have to bring any bugs on the ark because bugs don't have nostrils. Did you know bugs breathe through their skin? They absorb oxygen through spiracles. Bugs can survive a flood just fine. Go any place where there's been a flood, after the water runs off, walk out into the mud, and tell me the first thing you notice. Bugs bite a bazillions, right? 
They can survive on floating log mats. They'd figure out a way to survive on dead carcasses or something. Plus, Noah didn't have to bring 400 pairs of dogs on the ark. Noah probably never saw a chihuahua in his life. He just brought a generic dog, like my dog, Nicky. We had Nicky for 12 years before I knew what kind of dog he was. A friend of mine came to visit one day and he said, Hovind, look at that. You have got a canardly. I said, a what? He said, your dog, that's a full-blooded canardly. I said, it is? He said, well, look at it. You can hardly tell what kind of dog it is. <laughs> full-blooded, yeah. Anyway, this Mexican textbook says, the horse and the zebra had a common ancestor. I agree. It looked like a horse. You know, four-wheel drive, genuine leather upholstery. I mean, horse, okay. Skeptics say, how did he put those millions of animals on the ark? Well, first place, he only brought the land animals, okay? Secondly, you bring those nostrils, no, no bugs, okay? Thirdly, you bring babies, that's common sense, okay? Fourthly, you bring two of each kind, not every single species, all right? Just the basic kinds. And God made the kinds. And God told Noah how big to build the boat. So I bet God had it figured out what size to make it, you know? And how many were there? Many experts will tell you there are about 8,000 basic kinds of animals in the world. Now, whether that is the family level or the genus or species, I don't know, it probably varies all over the, our current scale. But basically, 8,000 basic kinds of animals. Atheists say, Adam could never name all those animals in one day. Oh, come on. When I get excited, I can speak 350 words a minute. Did you know you could name all 8,000 animals in 26 minutes if you're just going 300 words a minute? Dog, cat, elephant, aardvark. Yeah, not a problem, okay. Plus, uh, how big was the ark? Skeptics say he could never put all those animals on there. I say, really? How many were there? And so we don't we don't know. Oh, well, how big was the ark? We don't know that either. All we know is he couldn't do it. Oh, I see. That's, is that the way this works? Okay. Hey, it beats what they believe. See, they believe 18 or 20 billion years ago there was a big bang where nothing exploded and made everything. And 4.6 billion years ago the earth cooled down and formed a rocky crust. Yes, boys and girls, the planet Earth cooled and a rocky surface was created. Her surface was hot and there were large pools of bubbling lava. This textbook says there was no oxygen on the Earth, zero percent, but the rocks absorbed it. I've been trying to figure that one out for a long time, you know. Anyway. Then oceans formed as it rained on the rocks for millions of years. Yes, boys and girls, millions of years of torrential rains created the oceans. And swirling in the waters of the oceans is a bubbling broth of complex chemicals. Progress from a complex chemical soup to a living organism is very slow. It sure is. It don't even happen. That's how slow it is. This guy says, this right here. Life on Earth may have begun in rocks on the ocean floor. Wow. The first self-replicating systems must have emerged in this organic soup. So according to their theory, 20 billion years ago there was a big bang. 4.6 billion years ago the earth cooled down. And it rained on the rocks, it turned into a hot ball of rock. And it rained on the rocks for millions of years. It rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and rained. Finally it filled in the oceans. And in the oceans the first living organisms appeared. So great, 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 grandpa with soup. That's the Big Bang Theory. I didn't make it up. I'm just telling you what they say, okay? I spoke at this college in Boston one time. <laughs> the pastor called every college within 100 miles of Boston saying, hey, would you let Kent Hovind come speak at your college? They all said no. 
Except one. One said, yeah, he can come if our professors can ask him any questions they want. Because we'd like to show our students how dumb you Christians really are. I said, I would be honored to come for that. So I, got, I showed up. There were six professors and all their students in the room. I felt like Daniel in the lion's den. I got my charts out and I said, now folks, I believe the Bible. Nobody cheered. I said, I believe 6,000 years ago God made everything, and 4,400 years ago there's a big flood, you know, destroyed everything. Noah saved two of each kind on the ark. Not species, kind. And then I told them what they believe, because most of them don't know what they believe. You've got to tell them. I said, you guys believe 20 billion years ago, Big Bang, 4.6 billion years ago, the earth cooled down, it rained on the rocks for millions of years, turned them into soup, and the soup came alive 3 billion years ago. One, prof- one professor was really getting angry. He said, Hovind, do you realize there are nearly 400 varieties of dogs in the world? I said, I, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Sure. He said, you mean you want, you want me to believe that all those dogs came from two dogs on Noah's Ark? I said, sir, would you look at what you're teaching your students? You're teaching your students that all those dogs came from a rock. <laughs> he didn't have any more questions after that. <laughs> I found his life verse in the Bible, though, saying to a stock, Thou art my father, to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. There's Grandpa. I found my daddy's life verse in the Bible. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and so are they. Anyway, the Bible says the earth, the earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way, and God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. And Noah said to his boys, Boys, go for wood. We've got to build a boat. And so they went and got all this wood, and they built this huge boat. Now, after the flood was over, Noah's son Shem had a baby and named him Arphaxad. Why on earth would anybody name a kid Arphaxad? Can't you see that kid in kindergarten? What's, what's your name, son? Arphaxad? Do you know how to spell it? No. Nobody does. But don't you think one day, little Arphaxad's getting big enough? He's sitting on Grandpa's lap and he's looking around. He says, hey, Grandpa, uh, how come we're the only people in the whole world? You know, like, where is everybody? You know? I mean, eventually that thought's going to cross his mind, don't you think? And Grandpa's going to tell him the story about the flood. I bet they talk about that flood for a long time afterwards, you know. Actually, our facts had, and Shem and all these guys, they lived a long time after that flood. Shem lived long enough to tell the story to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Eyewitness account. Anyway, today there are 270 surviving flood legends. They're still talking about that flood. 4,400 years later, cultures are still talking about it. The Hawaiian legend says, Long after the death of Kunihana, the first man, the world became a wicked, terrible place to live. There was one good man left. His name was Nu'u. He made a great canoe with a house on it and filled it with animals. The waters came up over all the earth and killed all the people. Only Nu'u and his family were saved. The Haikin classic is a great story from China, one of the oldest stories on earth. It says, Fuhai is the father of the Chinese civilization. The story says, Fuhai, his wife, three sons, and three daughters escaped a great flood. He and his family were the only people alive on earth, and after the flood, they repopulated the world. Interesting. 
The Tolik Indians in Mexico have a legend that says the first world lasted 1,716 years and was destroyed by a flood that covered the highest mountains. One family named Coxcox survived. 1,700 years. Bible dates add up to 1656. That's not bad for a legend 4,000 years old. Question. Why would there be nearly 300 flood legends? I think it's because there was a flood. That's my theory. <laughs> Probably the Atlantis legend is just another flood story. You want to read a bunch of these flood stories? Go to creationism.org. Got them all listed. A bunch of them listed right there. Amazing website. So, if you look at the country of Turkey, at the far right-hand corner, there's a mountain over here called Mount Ararat. On a Turkish map, it's called Noah on Gumshi, which means Noah's big boat. That's the name of the town. Okay? They've got signs you drive right up to it. Noah on Gumshi, five kilometers this way. The Bible says the ark rested in the seventh month. Now, that's interesting. Noah didn't get out until the 13th month. Why would he stay in there for six extra months? Well, we cover all that on video six about the flood. Why did he stay in there for so long? But it said it rested on the mountains of Ararat. Mountains, plural. The Bible doesn't say it landed on Mount Ararat. It says it landed in the mountains of Ararat. Actually, there are four theories of what happened to Noah's ark. One theory says they took it apart and used the lumber for buildings. Second theory says it rotted. Third theory says it's still on the mountain. Fourth theory says it's down in the valley. And the guys who think it's on the mountain go over there looking once in a while and they say, wow, every time they come back they say, we almost found it. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know how you almost find something. But uh, Other folks think, hey, it's not even on the mountain, guys. It's down in the valley, 17 miles away. The Bible doesn't say it landed on the mountain. They think that is Noah's Ark. That boat-shaped object right there. In 1978, there was an earthquake, and either it lifted up or the ground fell down, but either way, the result's the same. It's now sticking up out of the ground about 15 or 20 feet, whatever's left of this thing. Ron Wyatt died in 99. He was a good friend of mine. He had spent years over there researching this thing. Richard Reeves took over for him. There's Richard in the background. Uh, they think that's Noah's Ark. They say it collapsed on itself. It folded out to the side. The skeptics say it was too wide for the Ark. Well, duh, boats do that. They splay. Okay? They fall out to the side. But deck, uh, radar shows deck timbers down in there, huge logs. The thing was built out of really big, big wood. Of course, pre-flood, they probably had really big trees, too. But uh, they, radar scans show that they have iron rivets. The mark was apparently bolted together. There's a bunch of these pieces uh, just south of Nashville, Tennessee, if you want to go look at them. There's the Wyatt Archaeological Museum. Just go to wyattmuseum.com if you want to see all this stuff. Mrs. Wyatt wrote a book about it after her husband died. The boat-shaped object on Doomsday Mountain, if you want to get into the study. The government of Turkey studied it and said, yep, that's Noah's Ark. They even built a visitor center. It's not a real safe place to go right now, but people get killed over there. But a lot of folks think that's it. They say, that's the boat right down there. Some of the skeptics say, well, that's just a fort. It's built under a hill. For heaven's sake, who on earth is going to build a fort under the hill, you know? Enemy can drop rocks down in on top of you. <laughs> no, it's not a fort. Anyway, we cover more on that on uh, video three. But the Bible says the ark will be 300 cubits long. Now, a cubit is elbow to fingertip. My cubit's 21 inches. There are lots of different cubits used around the world, depending on who was the king, apparently. I don't know what they did. But uh, the standard Egyptian cubit is 20.65, just a hair shorter than mine. Moses went to school in Egypt, so he probably used the Egyptian cubit in his thinking process. That's what he was taught. Like, I think in terms of inches and feet and miles. I, I can understand meters and kilometers, but I can't think that way. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, Moses edited Genesis. He didn't actually write Genesis. He was the editor of Genesis. There are ten different authors for Genesis. We cover that in video seven. Fascinating story. But Moses edited Genesis, and he says 300 cubits. Now, 300 cubits is 515 feet. That's the size of that boat-shaped object there. 
It's about two-thirds the size of the Titanic, about almost two football fields long. Pretty big boat. All around that area, they found these big rocks. These rocks have holes in the top. They weigh 9,000 pounds. Twelve have been found. They call them anchor stones or drogue stones. Apparently, the hole was to put a rope through there to hang this thing over the side of the boat. When Sea of Galilee dried up quite a bit here ten years ago, they found all kinds of small rocks around the edge of the water, in what used to be underwater, and they had holes in them. It's common practice to tie rocks around the side of the boat to stabilize it in stormy weather. Noah's Ark apparently had big ones, like 9,000 pound rocks, hanging all over the boat. What this would do is make it stable during stormy weather. Can't shake, a stable platform. And if it really gets windy, the rocks will create a drag, and the wind's always going to turn you perpendicular to the waves. Now you can't capsize. One atheist wrote me a letter and said, Hoven, I heard your seminar about Noah's Ark having big rocks hanging over the side. You are so stupid. Don't you know if he had rocks hanging all over the boat, it would slow him down? I wrote back, where was he going? <laughs> There's no place to go, okay? He's just trying to float, okay? Noah, here's your instructions. Get in, float, land, get out, okay? <laughs> it's not that complicated. Anyway, we could talk all day about Noah's Ark. Let's get back to dinosaurs here. We don't have time to cover all this this morning. Uh, if this is true about Noah's Ark having dinosaurs on it, what happened to them? Well, there are 16 different theories of what happened to the dinosaurs. One theory says a meteor struck the Yucatan Peninsula 65 million years ago. A scientist in Indiana says the dinosaurs killed themselves off with their own flatulence. They could not stand the heat. Or the smell. Here's the real reason they went extinct. Right there, smoking. What made the dinosaurs go extinct? Do you realize they're asking the wrong question? The liberals are good at getting us to argue about the wrong subject. They're always saying, hey, Hoven, what made the dinosaurs go extinct? I say, well, you need to ask the question, did they go extinct first? They're always asking me, should we teach creation in public schools? I say, well, that's a good question, but we can talk about that. But really, we should talk first about, should we have public schools? Let's discuss that one first, okay? Better read your constitution. Okay, according to Article 10 of the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, the federal government's got no business being involved in education at all. Cover more on that in our college class, CSE 102, if you want to get more on that. Anyway, dinosaurs got off the ark and they faced a very hostile climate. Things had changed. You know, before the flood they lived to be 900. Check your Bible. After the flood they only lived to be 400. And then 200. And then 100. And today not many make it to 100. So they had two problems. Number one was the climate change. Something changed. We cover what happened on video six, what happened to the climate. But second problem, probably worse though, people hunted them. Back in those days, they called them dragons. See, the word dinosaur wasn't made up till 1841. So for most of human history, they're called dragons. There wasn't even a word dinosaur in the dictionary in 1891. It's a pretty new word, okay? Dragons, though, are mentioned in the Bible 34 times. They're even in the dictionary as now rare 1946. As the human population began to grow after the flood, the population of dragons began to go down because nobody wants to live next door to a dragon. Same thing happened in Cobb County, Georgia, where the city of Atlanta is today. 
you know how many grizzly bears are roaming loose in the woods right now around Atlanta, Georgia? Zero. You know how many there were just 300 years ago? Thousands. What happened? Well, as the city got bigger and people moved in, the big ferocious animals are driven off or killed off, right? If it came on the evening news tonight that there were five grizzly bears roaming around Cobb County, Georgia, do you know what would happen by 6 o'clock in the morning? They'd all be dead. Because every redneck in four states would be out there with a rifle. Am I right? And whoever could shoot the biggest one would be a hero. His picture would be on the front page. Hey, Bubba, shot the grizzly bear and saved the village. Well, that's exactly what happened to the dragons. Man, after that flood, people killed dragons for all kinds of reasons. They killed them for meat because they were a menace, maybe for medicine. A lot of ancient recipes call for dragon bones and dragon saliva. Strange. And Gilgamesh is famous for slaying a dragon. After the great flood, you surveyed the land of China and divided it into sections. He built channels to drain the water off to the sea and make the land livable again. Many snakes and dragons were driven from the marshlands. The Chinese calendar has 11 real animals. And a dragon. Could it be that when this was made, they were all 12 real animals? Hmm? Here's one of the oldest pieces of pottery on planet Earth. Shows two long-necked dragons from the first dynasty of Egypt. We make half-scale uh, replicas if you want to get one for 40 bucks to have to show your friends. This is considered one of the oldest pieces of pottery on Earth. First dynasty of United Egypt. 3,800 years ago, they were putting dragons on their pottery. Why? Long-necked dragons. Hmm. Anyway, we can talk all day about that. Here's a hippo tusk from the 12th century B.C. shows long-necked dragons. Here's a 4th millennium B.C. showing two long-necked dragons. Next intertwine. Famous Greek historian Herodotus said, He went to a certain place in Arabia and saw winged serpents, such numbers as is impossible to describe. The winged serpent is shaped like a water snake. Its wings are not feathered, but closely resemble those of a bat. Like a pterodactyl? Um, Herodotus said, The place where the bones lie is at the entrance of a narrow gorge between steep mountains. Uh, the story goes that with the spring, the winged snakes come flying from Arabia toward Egypt, but are met in the gorge by the birds called ibises, which forbid their entrance and destroy them all. Even Josephus talks about fiery flying serpents. Just type in Josephus on the internet and you can check it out. In, seven, in 793 A.D., they said there were fiery dragons flying across the firmament. Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Check it out. Sunsite.berkeley.edu The Babylonian god Marduk is shown pictured on a fire-breathing dragon. You say, Brother Holman, you don't believe in fire-breathing dragons, do you? Yeah, I do. The Bible talks about a fiery flying serpent. If you get the book of Job, chapter 41, it talks about Leviathan. It says, out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go a smoke. I've seen deacons do that at Southern Baptist churches. <laughs> his breath kindleth coals and a flame goeth out of his mouth. There really was a fire-breathing dragon. We covered that on the green video called Leviathan, the fire-breathing dragon. If you get a Catholic Bible, the book of Daniel's got two extra chapters. Daniel 13 and 14. It's what's called the Apocrypha books, okay? Daniel, it's not part of Scripture. It shouldn't be there, but it's interesting reading. It says, There was a great dragon in the place, and the Babylonians worshipped him. And the king said to Daniel, Behold, thou canst not say now that this is not a living God. Adore him, therefore. And Daniel said, I adore the Lord my God, for he is the living God, but that is no living God. But give me leave, O king, and I will kill this dragon without sword or club. 
And the king said, I give thee leave. Then Daniel took pitch and fat and hair and boiled them together and made lumps and put them into the dragon's mouth and the dragon burst asunder. Strange story. Let me give you the Hovind translation. The Bible tells us Daniel was a man who understood science. Those were the ones that were captured and taken off to be slaves. Daniel would have known that pitch is made from tree sap and it's very sticky. Fat is salty tasting and just about all animals like things that are salty tasting. And hair won't digest. Put them in the dragon's mouth, they fed them to the dragon, and the dragon loved the taste but couldn't digest them. And so they plugged up his intestines. And these were the days before Roto-Rooter, and so he burst asunder. Okay. Um, Saddam Hussein, Hussein, has quite an ego problem, okay? George Bush always called him Saddam Hussein. I wondered why. He's mispronouncing his name. Well, I found out Saddam means prince. Saddam means horse's rear end. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> Saddam built, he made their coins over there with his picture in front of Nebuchadnezzar. He's trying to get across the idea that he's Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated, okay? He found the old city walls of the ancient Babylon that was destroyed in 600 B.C. And Saddam rebuilt it. The old brick walls of Babylon were totally rebuilt by Saddam. About every ten feet there's a big brick that says, I am Saddam Hussein, I have rebuilt Babylon the Great, I'm the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. The, old, the city's been restored. All around on that city were carvings of lions on those brick walls and carvings of dragons. Yep, sweating to death. Next question. There are the dragons right there on the brick walls. They're still there. Any of you guys been to Iraq? Any soldiers here? Did you get to see the dragons on the wall? Did you see the Ishtar Gate? The old city? You were all the way over there and didn't go see the dragons? Go back. <laughs> Uh, Ishtar Gate, the old city of Babylon. We built a model of it for our dinosaur adventure land. If you want to come see it, be a little closer to Pensacola, Florida. But uh, Alexander the Great said his soldiers were scared by dragons when they conquered part of India in 300 B.C. This Roman mosaic shows two long-necked dragons fighting or kissing. Now that would be necking. St. George is famous for slaying dragons in 275 A.D. Beowulf slew dragons. He slew two, and the third one killed him when he was 88 years old. You ought to try to read the Beowulf story in Old English. Yeah, good luck. That's, that's English. 1,500 years ago. Well, they translated it to modern English, and it's still kind of tough to read. You can buy the book from our website for two bucks if you want to get the book of Beowulf. But it says, Beowulf killed Grendel the dragon by pulling off one of its arms, and the creature bled to death. Pulled off his arm. Well, that's still interesting. A Babylonian cylinder seal showed a guy pulling the arm off a dragon. But the book After the Flood has a lot of information about this. The city in France is famous because in the uh, 7th century, a dragon came up out of the water and a guy killed it, cut the head off, and stuck it over the corner of his building. They called it the gargoyle. Anybody ever heard of a gargoyle? They still put the gargoyles on the corners or over the buildings, you know? That's where we get our word gargle, gurgle, gorge, regurgitate, gullet, and glutton. It comes from the word throat in French, gargoyle. So next time you gargoyle, gargle, think about slaying a dragon. You say, Brother Hovind, I am slaying a dragon when I gargle. But, okay. uh, in 900 A.D., an Irish writer said he had killed a dragon with iron nails on its tail. They had big spikes on a stegosaur. There's a Viking uh, being swallowed by a dragon in the 11th century on a woodcut. Viking ships often had dragon heads on them. Why would they put dragon heads on the boats? 
Oh, there's a lot of stories about that in the book After the Flood. Here's Siegfried slaying the dragon Fafner. The 12th century castle shows dragons on it in Hungary. Here's one from Germany I was at last year. shows dragons on the castle. 13th century castle show dragons. Here's Marco Polo lived in China for 17 years. When he came back, he said the emperor raises dragons to pull his chariots around. In 1611, they appointed the post of royal dragon feeder. New government job. Why would you need a royal dragon feeder? Uh, to feed the dragon, how about? Yeah, okay. There's a 13th century castle with dragons on it. 15th century tomb in England shows dragons on it. 16th century castles have dragons. We've got seven coins in our museum, silver dollars, from the 15 and 1600s. They all show somebody slaying a dragon. There's a guy slaying a dragon. There's a dragon with a spear sticking through his head. Why would they put dragons on their coins? There's a Russian medallion with somebody killing a dragon. Bulgarian postage stamp. Crest of Lithuania, somebody killing a dragon. We can go all day on dragon stories. And the carvings, they carve dragons on the walls of the Grand Canyon. The Indians used to hunt them out west here. Dragons. Why would they put dragons on the walls of the canyon? In 1925, some scientists went down the canyon and they said, the fact that some prehistoric man made a pictograph of a dinosaur on the walls of this canyon upsets completely all of our theories. You poor man. About a year ago, a photograph of a dinosaur was shown to a scientist of national repute who was then specializing in dinosaurs. He said, it's not a dinosaur, it's impossible, because we know dinosaurs were extinct 12 million years before man appeared on Earth. 12 million years? Now they tell the kids 65, don't they? 65 million years ago? It's interesting to watch the inflation of the age of the Earth. In 1700, they said it's 70,000 years old. Then they said, oh no, it's 2 billion years old. 1969, they said it's 3.5 billion. Now it's 4.6. Wow, we're getting older, folks. 21 million years per year. 40 years per minute. You go to Blanding, Utah, and see the dragons carved on the cliffs up there. The Indians knew about the dragons. They painted them on the walls. Australian cave painting shows somebody running away from a dragon. I can't pronounce the name of this place in Canada. Misha Pazum, rather. But it looks like somebody carved a dinosaur on the cliffs. These natives in Australia are dancing around this uh, plesiosaur, apparently because he swallowed their friend. <laughs> Here this guy says, uh, nobody's ever seen a live dinosaur. Well, why did they put them, you know, on artwork, on pottery, and stuff like that? Down in Ica, Peru, they've got the driest desert in the world. It's only rained twice in 400 years. The Spanish came across there in the 1500s and saw white lines on the desert. They couldn't figure out what they were until they got airplanes. These are huge pictures. They're called the Nazca Lines. How many have ever heard of the Nazca Lines down in Peru? Okay. There are a whole bunch of these petroglyphs down there. Huge drawings <laughs> made out of white rock piled up. We could talk all day about the Nazca Lines, but along with the Nazca Lines, they also found stones with strange creatures on them. They have dinosaurs carved on these rocks. Dennis Swift, one of the world's experts on these Ica stones, a good friend of mine, he collects them. It's very hard to get them out of the country. There's only 25 in America. Okay? He spoke at our boot camp. If you want to get Dr. Swift, we have all the boot camp uh, DVDs of him speaking and everybody else speaking. That was great last year. Um, I've got eight of the stones in my museum now in Pensacola, the second largest, second largest collection in America. If you want to come see them, we could talk all day about these Ica stones, but that's amazing. Many of them show dinosaurs on them. How could they put dinosaurs on stones that were made, you know, 200 A.D.? 
Here's one. Dinosaurs holding a guy by the head. This one that we think is telling the story. The guy with the knife just cut the head off the dragon to take vengeance for his friend. That's what the Bible says. Vengeance is fine, saith the Lord. Well, something like that. I forget. But uh, this guy's poking the spear through his neck, you know. Uh, this guy's jamming a spear down his throat. You can see that. This guy's got the dragon got him by the arm. You can just come see the Ica stones. You won't believe it. We make replicas of two of them. And if you want to buy one, check our catalog. You can buy a replica Ica stone. Pretty cool to have. Some of them have circles on the side. That's interesting. When you find dinosaur bones, it doesn't tell you what the skin looked like. Dinosaur skin was found in Bolivia 15 years ago. It had circle patterns on the side. Huh. How would they know to put circles on the side? Recently, they found soft dinosaur tissue. Did anybody see that in the news a few months ago? Dinosaur tissue, not the bones, I mean the muscle. And it was still flexible. So they said, now we have to reconsider how fossils form. I said, guys, maybe it's time to reconsider when they form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy's cutting the head off of one. This guy's riding one. We got lots more Necker stones on our college classes. Uh, some of the mummies have blankets. Uh, all, all around the blankets are dragons. Why would they put dragons on their blankets in 300, 500 A.D.? Down in Acumbro, Mexico, 56,000 ceramic figurines were found of dinosaurs. Why? I'll cover more in our college class about that. But anyway, he says nobody's ever seen one. Hello. Uh, they put them on their fabrics, put them on their pottery, put them on cave walls. I think people have seen them, okay? An Italian guy killed a dragon that was bothering his cows. They stuffed the body and had it mounted in a museum in Italy in 1572. By the way, do you want so many Italians are named Tony? Years ago, they were shipping them over here, and they stamped on their forehead, To New York. Okay. <laughs> well, we could talk all day about dinosaurs, but uh, we don't have time to cover all that today. Uh, get video three if you want more. Dinosaurs, not only are mentioned all through history, they're also mentioned in the Bible. Let me skip up to that here just for sake of time. Because we're going to run out of time. You say, dinosaurs in the Bible? I didn't see them in there. Oh, they're in there. You dinosaurs? Yep. If you read the book of Job, the book of Job has 42 chapters. In the first two chapters, it says, Job was a perfect man. He feared God and hated evil. By the way, good advice, kids, okay? Job had seven sons and three daughters. And he had thousands of sheep and camels and oxen and asses. The guy was rich. One day the messenger came and said, Job, I got some bad news. Oh, by the way, Job probably written after the flood, a few hundred years. We'll cover that some other time. The messenger said, Job, uh, the oxen and asses were stolen and your servants got killed. And by the way, the sheep got burned up and your camels got stolen. Oh, and Job, I forgot to mention, all ten of your kids died. Job's having a bad day. And he said, the Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Then Satan gave him boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And then his wife turned against him. You know, man can handle just about any tragedy, but that's the toughest one. When the wife doesn't support her husband. There's an interesting verse, preacher. I've only heard it preached on once in 36 years of being a Christian. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And then it says, Let the wife see that she reverence her husband. That's interesting. Treat him like a god. Offering burnt sacrifices three times a day. Job said, 
You talk like one of the foolish women. Can't we receive good at the hand of God and not evil? Then Job's four friends came to visit him. One of those guys was the shortest man mentioned in the Bible. Bildad the Shuhite. That's pretty short, okay? These four guys came and they talked to Job for 35 chapters. Most of the book of Job is these guys telling Job why everything went wrong. Now folks, listen. If something bad happens to somebody, you don't necessarily know why it happened, okay? But these guys said, oh Job, if everything, something bad happened to you, it's because you did, you did something wrong. You must have sinned. Typical wisdom of the world. Whoever perished being innocent. Look, if somebody has something bad happen, you don't know why it happened. You should pray for them, love them, encourage them, and shut up. Okay? Don't go to the hospital when they get their gallstones out and say, Brother, these aren't gallstones. These are tithes and offerings. God's getting them out of you one way or another. Don't do that, okay? Let God take care of what's going on, all right? So Job is sitting there scraping the pus out of the boils next to the graves of his ten kids, and he says, Man, I wish the Almighty would answer me. Why did this happen to me? You don't have to live on this planet very long before you will be asking that question. Why did this happen to me? See, Job didn't know about Romans 8.28. It hadn't been written yet, but it was coming. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. The Bible does not say everything that happens is good. It says it will work together for good. I'll show you. Here's how this works. Has anybody here ever been hungry? You ever been hungry before? Suppose you come to my house, you say, hey, Brother Hoven, I'm hungry. I'll say, come on in, have a seat, I'm going to give you a cup of flour. That don't sound too good. I got it. How about a spoonful of salt? And a spoonful of baking soda. Now that'll wake you up in the morning. You're probably getting kind of dry by now, so let's pour down a half a cup of Crisco. And chase it down with a cup of buttermilk. You say, that would taste terrible. How about if we mix them all together and make biscuits? Did you know the individual ingredients for biscuits taste lousy? But they work together for biscuits, don't they? Pretty cool. Did you know God promised everything that happens to you will work together for good if you love God and you're called according to His purpose? Life is so simple. Keep your heart right with God. That'll be tough now, because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Well, Job is sitting there scraping the pus out of the boil, said, I wish the Lord would answer me. And in chapter 38, the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind. You know, if a tornado starts talking to me, I'm going to pay attention. We've got a big tornado coming down on Pensacola right about now. Or Hurricane, what's her name, uh, Katrina? No. Okay. I haven't got a chance to watch the news much. Um God said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Hey, Job, your four friends did not know what they were talking about. And by the way, be careful about getting Bible doctrine from the book of Job. It's true the guys said it, but what they said was not true. Just be real careful about getting some new doctrine out of Job, okay? <laughs> Those guys were idiots. God said, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? I read that 30-some years ago as a brand-new Christian, and I thought, what kind of question is this? Where were you when I built the earth? Why would God ask Job a question like that? I said, God, he wasn't there, and you know it. Why did you ask him? Hey, how many of you were here when God built the earth? 
Come on, you got some old timers out there, okay? Nobody quite that old. All right, now kids, listen, this is going to be complicated. Since you were not here when God made the earth, that means that God is older than you are. How many can figure this out with no help? Okay? Did it ever occur to you that God is smarter than you are? Did it ever occur to you that God is stronger than you are? Did it ever occur to you that God is richer than you are? You say, Brother, I'm hoping everybody's richer than I are. Try this one. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Things occur to me all the time. I say, wow, I never thought of that before. Did you know that has never happened to God? He's already thought of everything. He even knows everything you've ever thought about. He understands the imaginations of the thoughts. That's pretty cool. Not just the thoughts, the imaginations of the thoughts. See, your brain is amazing. You can not only think about things, you can actually think about what you are thinking about. Think about that. God knows the thoughts of man. The Bible says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts. That's one of many verses that prove Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. God knows your thoughts and He loves you anyway. Wow. Job's not answering the question, so God goes on to another one. He said, Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Question mark. Job doesn't answer. God said, Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Did you know scientists didn't even know there were springs in the sea till 1977? God asked Job that question 4,000 years ago. God said, Where's the way where light dwelleth? That's cool. Light is in a way. It's always moving. By the way, where does the light go when it goes out? Hmm. As for darkness, where is the place thereof? But you know, darkness can't move. Light moves. Darkness can't move. We are the children of light. Okay, we're supposed to be on the move, get something done for God, you know. And anyway, we can talk all day about that one. The Bible says, By what way is the light parted which scattereth the east wind? Is God telling Job the light can cause the wind? He sure is. And you can ask any weatherman, that's exactly correct. The sunlight causes the wind patterns on earth. God said, Canst thou send lightnings? Boy, it's a good thing I can't. How many of you can think of somebody that's lucky to be alive because you can't send the lightnings? Can you think of several? Yes, sir. God said, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Is God telling Job that electricity can be used to send a message? Like, you know, microphone, radio, TV, cell phone. I think he is. God asked Job question after question after question. Eighty-four questions. Job never answered one. These are the kind of questions that don't need an answer. The question is designed to change the person's attitude. These are the same kind of questions you dads have to ask your kids. So you have three kids, one of each. Kids get to a certain age and they start to get kind of cocky and they think, you know, they should make the rules around the house. You dads will understand this. The kid comes in one day and says, hey, dad, listen, I think I should be allowed to stay out till four in the morning with my friends. After all, I'm ten now. Dad says, hold on just a minute, kid. You'd like to know why you can't stay out till four in the morning. Well, son, let me ask you a couple questions. Who pays the electric bill around this house? Who's paying for the house? Who bought that bed you slept on last night, son? Who paid for them clothes you're wearing? 
Who pays for that food you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat? Who paid for the hot water and soap you took a shower with about a month ago? Let's just get it straight, son. The Bible's very clear. He who payeth the bills maketh the rules. Second Opinion, chapter 4. You see, son, me, dad, you, kid. And if you're going to sleep under my roof and eat my food, you're going to do it my way. And if you want to do it your way, well, get your own roof to sleep under and get your own food to eat, and you can do it your way. That's the golden rule, son. He that hath the gold maketh the rules. Who do you think you are, kid? Where were you when we got this property and cleared this land and drove off the grizzly bears and walked uphill to school 40 miles in the snow barefoot both ways? <laughs> How many heard the same speech when you were growing up? You know what I'm kid, get it straight. You, kid, me, dad. I think that's what God's doing to Job. God's asking Job question after question. Job's not saying a word. We come to chapter 40. God says, Behold, now... Behemoth. What's, what's a behemoth? Some reference Bibles say, well, it could be the elephant or hippopotamus. No, it cannot be either of those. I believe behemoth is the long-necked dinosaur. There are several different long-necked dinosaurs. There's the brachiosaur, the apatosaur, the cetosaur. Got a big seat, okay? Uh, there's the blondosaur. You just have to talk to her kind of slow, okay? Uh, <laughs> It says, eats grass as an ox. You say, well, hope an elephants eat grass, and my Bible says elephant. Okay, well, bunny rabbits eat grass too. Okay, a lot of animals eat grass. Okay, look at the next verse. His strength is in his loins, his force is in the navel of his belly. The biggest part on him is his belly. You say, well, elephants have a big belly. Yeah, yeah, they do. Hippos have a big belly. Brachiosaurus has a big belly. He has a big belly. So does he. He moveth his tail like a cedar. Have you ever seen an elephant's tail? A hippo tail? Uh, not like a cedar. I think Brachiosaurus' tail is a little more like a cedar, you know. Before they put those footnotes at the bottom of the Bible, I think they should be required to read the passage at least once. Okay, and then comment on it, right? His bones are strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He has big, heavy-duty bones. And he does. I've got that one in my museum. That's a toe bone from a brachiosaur. One toe bone. Now, kids, this is going to be complicated. Listen carefully. The reason he had those big toe bones is because he had big toes. How many can figure that out with no help? Okay. And he had those big toes because he had a big foot. There's a kid taking a bath in a brachiosaur footprint. And he had that big foot because he had a big leg to hold up. Front leg is 20 feet tall. Probably this ceiling in here is a little over 20 feet. The biggest one they ever found is found in Oklahoma. 60 feet to the top of the head. They say it'll take them 20 years to dig all the bones out of the ground because it is a government project. <laughs> they say when it was alive, it probably weighed 100 tons, which is equal to 14 school buses put together. That means if he was to come by and step on you, you would be deeply impressed by him. You'd be road pizza. Uh, speaking of government projects, I'm going to share with you my new invention that's going to make me the richest man on planet Earth. 
I'm going to save so much money for the highway department, construction crews, and utility companies, and the military. And all I want is 10% of the savings. I'll be the richest man on earth. I have invented a shovel that will stand up by itself. <laughs> you don't need to pay those extra guys to lean on it anymore. <laughs> Bible says he's the chief of the ways of God. He's the chief. That's the Hebrew word reshef, which means the chief, the principle, the beginning. He's the biggest animal God ever made. Well, that would not be the elephant or hippopotamus. It would be the brachiosaurus. And it kind of fits the pattern for the way the devil works. You see, whenever God makes things, the devil tries to destroy them. Question, how big is your God? I think God is showing these dinosaurs to Job to get Job's attention to say, Job, you'd be afraid of him. Are you afraid of me? Hey, is your God big enough to tell you what to do and you just plain do it? Just obey. Does your God tell you what, what kind of clothes to wear? The Bible says women should dress modestly, 1 Timothy 2.9. Daddy always said, if you're not in business, don't advertise. <laughs> God tell you how to cut your hair? First Corinthians says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. God tell you how to, what your speech ought to be? No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What kind of TV do you watch? Does God control that? Psalm 101, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. How about your music? Is God happy with your music? Ephesians said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God loves music. He invented it. And Satan has come along with some ungodly music you shouldn't listen to. Somebody asked me one time, and they said, Hoven, you know what you get if you play country music backwards? I said, no. He said, you get your hound dog, your wife, and your pickup all back, and you get out of jail. <laughs> oh, yeah, backmasking. God invented marriage and the family and sex. He made them male and female. And he understands it pretty good, and he put some rules down. Boys, don't touch the girls till you're married to them. Now, if you don't want to touch them, then stay away from me, okay? I saw your kind in San Francisco. But God, God put the rules down because He wants the best. He said the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. He doesn't want you hunting for a precious life. He wants you to have one, for heaven's sake, okay? You know why these Hollywood folks have to get married again every couple of days? They don't have a precious life. They don't have a clue. Now, kids, listen carefully. Don't pay any attention to Hollywood, okay? You want to have a wonderful life, you keep yourself pure till you walk down that aisle and the preacher says, wilt thou, and you wilt, or whatever. And then you stay faithful to that one the rest of your life. That is the precious life. Okay, don't listen to these guys. They have no clue, all right? The Bible says God created great whales and every living creature. You know, if God made the dinosaurs, then he ought to get the glory for it. But Satan said, you know, there's got to be some way I can use dinosaurs against God. But he couldn't fool Adam. Not with dinosaurs. Adam named them. Can you imagine the devil walking up to Adam and saying, Hey, Adam, did you know dinosaurs lived 70 million years ago? Adam would say, Are you stupid? There's one in the backyard eating on my cherry tree right there. <laughs> the devil couldn't fool Noah. Not with dinosaurs. But for the next 4,000 years, they became more rare. They were dying off or being killed off. In 1809, somebody found the bones and put one together. Satan said, wow, here's my chance. These animals have always lived with man. I know that, and God knows that. But these people don't know that. Satan said, I think I'm going to tell everybody they lived millions of years ago. And if they believe it, it'll make them doubt the Bible. And boy, has it worked good. You know, for the last 4,000, or for the last 200 years anyway, kids have gone to kindergarten, and they get a book like that. I can read about dinosaurs. 
Anybody want to just take a wild guess what it says on the first page? Millions of years ago. How many kids are being taught that in your town? At your expense. You got a really nice dinosaur museum up the road here, you know? Guess what they teach? Millions of years ago. I think it's time we give it a Christian response to this, you know? You can go up here to Denver, go to Red Rock Amphitheater, and see the dinosaur footprints. They've got some people wait out there for busloads of kids to stop. They're called, they call themselves the Friends of the Dinosaurs. Why don't we get some Christians up there just when the busload stops? Hey, kids, we're starting a new club called The Truth About Dinosaurs. Let me tell you about these footprints here. I go to museums all the time, see these beautiful displays. All of them got the sign at the bottom. So 70 million years ago. Well, we'll close here in a second. The Bible says he lives in the reed and fens. The word fens means the swamp. The biggest swamp in the world is in the middle of Africa, right there. Most Americans do not appreciate how big Africa is. Here's what Africa looks like next to the entire United States. You know, that swamp is 80% unexplored. It's the same size as Florida. Huge swamp, 55,000 square miles. There have been reports of dinosaurs still living in that swamp. The Apatosaurus. This guy is still on the suitcase. Looks kind of like this one here. Missionary Gene Thomas said he had two pygmies in his church that killed one and ate it. Dinosaurs still alive? Well, not very many, but we'll cover that in the next session. I won't have time tonight, today to cover that. Good video three if you want more on dinosaurs. Japanese fishing boat caught that one. They made a special stamp out of it for Japanese mail. California, 1925. This thing washed up on the beach. That's the head. The neck was 20 feet long. People came and examined it and said, Man, that's a plesiosaurus. This guy right here. How could a plesiosaur be laying on the beach in 1925? One atheist wrote me a letter and said, Hoven, you're so stupid. He said, Don't you know that was a whale? I said, just, just exactly where is the neck on a whale? <laughs> we cover living dinosaurs in the next session. But the kids, if you want to get a videotape number three, we've got a lot more on that. You're going to be told you're just an animal. And let's see, let me get down to where I need to be here. Uh, hang on, right. Too much stuff in here. Oh, here we go. Okay, right there. Let's summarize and we'll quit with the dinosaurs. Tonight we're going to cover lies in the textbooks, my favorite topic tonight. Let's summarize here. God made the world. He owns it. He makes the rules. Every one of us is guilty of breaking his rules. I'll show you. He told us in the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't lie. How many of you have ever told a lie in your life? Get your hand up or you're doing another one. Right there. <laughs> Thou shalt not steal. How many ever stole something? You already told me you're a liar. Get your hand up. All right. So far we know we're all a bunch of lying thieves, right? You want to read the whole list and see how we're doing? There's no question. We're guilty. The Bible says, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. If you've committed one sin, you cannot go to heaven. One. Unless you get that sin taken care of. We broke his rules. We're going to be punished. Or we better find a substitute. And that's where Jesus comes in. He's willing and able to substitute for your sins. Hey, if you died today, where would you go? Smoking or non-smoking? You really ought to think about that because you're going to be dead for an awfully long time. 
I'm going to die someday. I'm going to try to make it the last thing I do, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen to you too, okay? Where are you going? All you get in this life is a little bitty dash between two dates. What are you doing with your dash? I would recommend you give the whole thing to Jesus, let Him do something with it. That would be my advice. You can give it away or throw it away. It's your choice. You've only got one. What are you doing? If you're a Christian, what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Everybody ought to find something to do. The worst of you can serve is bad examples. I mean, find something to do for the Lord with your life. Start a new Sunday school class for left-handed, one-eyed people or something. I don't know, you know. Do something. If we can help, that's what we want to do. Our material's all downstairs. Tonight we'll be covering what's on video four, lies in the textbooks, one of my favorite. But I'm sick of Satan using dinosaurs to spread his lie. And I think we need to get some Christians to get out and say, man, let's use these to teach the truth. We give you a bunch of ideas on video three. If you're not sure you're saved, why don't you come let somebody take a Bible and show you how to go to heaven. If you're saved and not doing much for the Lord, maybe you need to hit the altar and say, Lord, would you show me something I can do for you? See what he does for you. Pastor, if you'd come, let's all stand, bow our heads and close our eyes. and Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this church, Lord, and the people's desire to serve you and reach this community with the gospel. Please, Father, speak to hearts now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Dr. Hoven, thank you so much for your ministry today. We appreciate it very much. Again, he will be uh, at um, Sunnyside Christian Church this evening, um, speaking again on a completely different message. So we hope that you can all be there. There will be more room. Um, at this point, um, I want to go ahead and close this again in prayer. And also give anybody who is desiring to, uh, to learn more about who Christ is, about who the Savior is and this Creator is, uh, you can talk to me and talk to Dr. Hoven. There will be some more people in the back as well. Please, um, we urge you today to, to make that decision for Christ. Father, we do thank you so much for the love that you have for us. We thank you that you did create us, that you are our Savior. Father, we thank you for Jesus who died on the cross. For our sins, Father, as it was made very clear, we are all sinners. None of us are able to make our way to heaven, but only through the blood of Christ. Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would convict each one of us, Father, that if any of us here do not know you as our Savior, that today would be the day of salvation, for we do not know what will happen tomorrow. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified through all that we do and say. Pray that our fellowship would be sweet. And the rest of this day would be for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, you are dismissed. Thank you so much. Fellowship with one another.